Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 286th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to Worthy, Worthy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebound, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here with you guys tonight, flying solo, but not because of any technical difficulties on Anthony's end or anything like that. Um, just going to recap a press conference that the head coach of Carolina basketball, Hubert Davis, uh, delivered earlier today. And something that um, I want to try to start doing moving forward um, because he meets with the media roughly once a week, sometimes every two weeks. It'll typically be ahead of a big game. Um, and then this game against UConn tomorrow night is certainly... Um, gotten bigger in magnitude after both teams are now ranked inside the AP top 10. But, um, you know, just something I want to start doing uh, moving forward, giving you some more content, giving you the latest, giving more of my opinions on what he has to say. Um, he's met with the media uh, earlier in the year just because of schedule and everything like that, wasn't able to, to sit down and dedicate roughly an hour or so to, to do a podcast. But um, we're here tonight, and we're going to talk about Everything that the head coach had to say ahead of tomorrow night's matchup with UConn. Uh, We've got some news and notes I'm going to go over. Some Jimmy V classic history. And even some history with the UConn game um, as well. But before we do any of that, we start every edition of the pod as we always do. With our pod thought of the day. And we go to the GOAT, Michael Jordan. And the quote for today is, The game has its ups and downs. But you can never lose focus of your individual goals. And you can't let yourself be beat because of lack of effort. And man, um, you know, I, 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 this was when I go to my site where I get the pod thought of the day, this was today's thought. And I was, knew I didn't have to do any more searching um, because this thought directly applies to 
uh, this team. And just going back to in their last game against Florida State, that game had its ups and downs. Um, Carolina was down 14 in the second half. They ended up getting up 14 in the second half on their way to an eight-point win um, as they got their first of hopefully many ACC wins this season. But you never saw the team lose focus. You never saw the team get down on itself. And their effort, even in the struggles, never waned. And, um, you know, I, I, I know I've said plenty of times, I'm, I'm tired of talking about last year because this year is this year. And boy, howdy, am I excited about what this team has done, um, what I think this team will do, and what I think this team is capable of doing throughout the season. But that just wasn't the case a year ago. This was a team that, for the most part of the year, was never focused. They were more focused on their individual goals than their team goals. Um, and they got beat many a nights simply by lack of effort. Not a lack of talent. There aren't many teams in the country that have more talent than North Carolina basketball has. Um, but, you know, what's that old saying? Uh, work hard be- or hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Carolina's talent last year didn't work. Their talent this year is working. Um, and it's why they're off to a 7-1 start. And they're really uh, looking like a vintage Carolina basketball team and a team that I think when it's all said and done, you know, we'll be able to wrap our arms around and be really proud to call one of our own. Um, and so there's your pod thought of the day. Always a good one when we go back to the GOAT, that being Michael Jordan. I said I got some you know, news and notes I wanted to go over with you guys. Um, and the first one is that, yes, this is a top 10 matchup. I, we kind of predicted it when we previewed the game because we recorded on Sunday. AP poll comes out on Monday. Um, with Carolina going 2-0, beating a top-10 team, and then just all the other happenings around the sport, there was a chance for Carolina to jump into the top-10. That's what happened. Um, they find themselves now ranked ninth in the country, um, and it, it just took them a little over three weeks to jump inside the top-10. UConn moved down one spot. They were fourth last week. Um, they're now fifth, making this a top-10 matchup. Uh, in the garden tomorrow night. Another thing that we didn't quite know at the time of recording, but we know now, um, UConn's uh, five-star freshman, Stefan Castle, will play. Um, it'll be his first action since uh, November 11th. So the expectation is that there will be a minutes restriction, if you will, for him, as Danny Hurley will will try to uh, integrate him back in slowly um, and into a team that played rather well and played at a high level without him. But make no mistake, when he when he's on the court, he does take an already pretty good chan- uh, UConn team to another level and a team that has the look and the feel of a team that can repeat as national champions, something we haven't seen since the mid-2000s. Also today, uh, in college basketball, with the first month of the season officially in the books, we got the first net rankings. And... Um, you know, look, these aren't as controversial at the moment as the college football playoff, uh, the, the committee's decision yesterday after they, they, they announced the four teams that will compete in the playoff and in the process left out an undefeated power conference champion, uh, of course, coming from the ACC in Florida State. Um, but, but, you know, this is an important thing because you know, this is a big metric that helps to determine and seed the field come selection Sunday. And, Carolina is in a healthy spot after the first month. 
They came in with a net ranking of 32. Um, they're one and one in their quad one games. They're two and zero in quad three. And as you could imagine, like they've done very much so the last couple of years, they're undefeated in quad four games. But that you know the quad one's going to be the 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 money maker. Uh, you know Carolina struggled for the first year under Hubert Davis. They got a big win at Duke, vaulted them into the NCAA tournament. Carolina goes on a run to the national title game. Same scenario last year where Carolina struggled in quad one games. I think they ended up going one in ten or one in eleven in such matchups, um, and it just wasn't enough to get them in the tournament. They didn't get that win over Duke that they got the year before, and it was a big reason why when the committee put together the 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 sixty eight team field, Carolina was on the outside looking in. Make no mistake, this is a quad one game, um, as much of a quad one game as. You know, Carolina is going to play really all season long. And, um, you know, with that, um, you know, there there is there is not going to say pressure on Carolina, but it, it does add to the importance level for Carolina to, to win this game. And if you get this type of win on your resume, um, it, it's only going to pay dividends as we work our way through the remainder of the basketball season. And, you know, if Carolina does finds itself on the bubble come Selection Sunday, a win over UConn could vault them into the NCAA tournament field. Um, of course, this game is a part of the Jimmy V Classic um, and something that means a lot to, you know, the college basketball world and then the world in general with just how impactful Jimmy V uh, was and still is in the never-ending uh, quest to cure cancer. Um, and you know, the foundation has raised you know, countless of, of dollars, and you know, we, we've, we've come a long way um, and, 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 and getting closer to a cure. But along the way, and although this isn't nearly as important, what the Jimmy V Foundation has done is through ESPN and through the foundation, they created the Jimmy V Classic. Um, and that generally gives us high-profile college basketball matchups in the early part of the season that draws a lot of interest and a lot of eyes to the sport. This is Carolina's third time playing in the Jimmy V Classic. Um, they're 1-1 one one in their previous two matchups. Um, they beat UMass back in 1996, an 83-69 win for Carolina. And then they lost in 1999 to Indiana. The thing of significance about those two matchups is both of those games were played in the Meadowlands. Um, at a time where the Meadowlands hosted many an important college basketball game, most notably, if you if you're a college hoops junkie, the Kentucky Duke game, arguably the greatest college basketball game ever played, was played in the Meadowlands. So um, even as much as Carolina spent time playing in MSG under Roy Williams, it was never in the Jimmy V Classic. It was usually in the preseason NIT tip-off event. And so um, Carolina is back in the garden, something you'll hear Hubert Davis talk about here in just a minute. Um, but it's the first time they've been in the garden for the Jimmy V Classic. Now we got some you know news or, or some notes and some history with this matchup with UConn. Um, and, and this is a battle of two of the Blue Bloods in the sport. Uh, when you've done what UConn's done, which has won five national championships in 25 years, um, and those five titles have come under three different head coaches. Um, you, you know, it, it, it makes it easier to call UConn, which 
didn't really get nationally relevant until the late 80s, early 90s. Um, it does make them a blue blood, and that's what they are. And Carolina has fared very well against the Con. They are 5-1 and one against the Huskies all time. The previous six matchups all came in a 15-year span, right at the height of UConn becoming nationally relevant, up until 2005. Um, and this is the first time they've played since 2005. There were times in the NCAA tournament there was a chance for them to, to pat, you know, for their pass to cross. Most notably, you go back to the 2009 Final Four where everyone thought it would be a Carolina-UConn final, but it ended up being a Carolina-Michigan State final as Carolina would dispatch um, Michigan State on their way to the national championship. Um, although, with this, they haven't played six times before, there was only one previous neutral site game. That was back in 1998 when Carolina beat UConn in the 1998 East Regional Final um, on their way to the Final Four. So, you know, these two teams have played, and they have played very frequently on each other's home court. Um, Carolina is 3-0 against UConn in Chapel Hill, um, and they are 1-1 in Connecticut, having gone 1-0 in Hartford and 0-1 in stores. And so... Um, and the history doesn't doesn't stop there because the head coach of the Tar Heels, Schuber Davis, played against UConn um, in the old ACC Big East Challenge back in 1990, um, a game that Carolina won 79-64, and in that game, Huber Davis scored 11 points. And so all that brings us to why we're here tonight, uh, which is to recap the press conference that Carolina uh, or, or that Huber Davis held earlier this afternoon ahead of tomorrow night's matchup with the UConn Huskies. And the first thing we're going to talk about, um, and what the first thing you're going to hear is Huber Davis talking about the challenges this UConn team presents for his team. Well, they've, they've got, you know, tremendous athleticism and size, and so they do a really good job of protecting the paint because of that size. very difficult to get consistent points in the paint, whether it's post penetration and offensive rebounding. Um, really good defensively, uh, very physical. They get to the offensive glass. They're good in transition. In their half-court sets, when they're able to execute, they, they do a good job at executing their plays. they got a lot of movement and um, guys that have the ability to knock down shots. So, you know, there's a reason why they're defending national champions and why it'll be um, a tough test for us uh, tomorrow night. You know, make make no mistake, guys. Um, this UConn team is good, and I, I, I know Duke's off to a slow start. Um, I still think really highly of them. I know Miami got waxed by Kentucky. I still think highly of them. And, of course, we all know Kentucky got upset over the weekend at home by UNC Wilmington. I still think very highly of them. This very well could be the best team Carolina plays all season long. Um, they're, they're, they're potent on offense. They've got size, length. They're physical. Um, and they're hungry, and they're motivated. And Danny Hurley has really established a winning culture within this program and um you know that playing in big games is not anything that they're not used to um and th this is going to be for this team and where this program is right now under huber davis it's a measuring stick um because the 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 task of the offseason was 
restoring this program to the top of the ACC and then nationally, being a team that's going to be a perennial AP top 10 team and a team that's going to be um, a second weekend of the tournament type of team, a team that's that's being mentioned in the same breath with the others as going to the, uh, the Final Four. Um, and, you know, I think Carolina is very capable of doing all those things. I picked them to do so in the preseason. But this game offers a measuring stick to see just how far this team and this program um, has come since the debacle, which was last season. Um, and look, make no mistake, if Carolina goes out there and beats UConn, the hype machine's only going to gauge and the positivity around this program is only continue to grow. Even if Carolina gets beat, but they compete, and it's a game like UConn lost the other night in Kansas, which is a game that came down to the final possessions, you'll still walk away, yes, disappointed by a loss, but encouraged by the type of team that this team can be. If this team has done what they've done in past years um, in big games, which is lay an egg, and they get ran out of the gym, the questions that existed coming into the season um, would continue to persist. And the doubt around Hubert Davis um, would continue to grow for those that have not yet bought into him being um, the right man to lead this program in this next era of basketball. Another reason why, or a big reason why, UConn is going to be the, the team that they're going to be and the, the challenge that they're going to pose to Carolina is because of Tristan Newton. And Hubert Davis spoke on the challenges he will pose for his team tomorrow night. Yeah, he's, he's a big guard. And, um, you know, I, I think before the Kansas game, um, he had been struggling a little bit, shooting the ball from the outside. But then I think he was 6-9 and nine from three in a lot of late clock situations. I think, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one being able to create a shot because of his skill level, because of his size, he has the ability to be able to create good shots late clock situations anytime in the offense. He has a you know a confidence about him of obviously being a national champion and being in those big time environments. And so um, it's you know it's gonna be a challenge for us to be able to keep him out of the paint, um, you know, keep down his assists, um, contain him in terms of shooting the ball from the outside, but he's also a really good offensive rebounder. And so you know when we talk about rebounding it's gotta be one through five they'll crash the offensive boards even from the point guard position. So um, excited about our guys competing against him. He's one of the better guards in the country. You know, I said that this could very well be um, the best team Carolina plays all season long. Tristan Newton could be as good a guard Carolina sees all season long. Um, and I'm not speaking out of hyperbole. I know Carolina is going to see some really good guards against the Dukes, against the Miamis against the Kentuckys of the world that are all on their schedule. But you're talking about uh, you know, a three-level score, a guy that can score at the rim, in the mid-range, and behind the three-point line. You're talking about a guy that leads them in rebounding and then is a creator and, and makes plays for his teammates. Um, you know, there, there aren't many there, – there, there aren't enough words I could say positive about Tristan Newton that Huber Davis hasn't already said. Um, but I think what, what should excite Carolina fans is – this game is going to have the feel of an NCAA tournament game. You know, it's in a NBA arena. Um, it's it's in. Um, there, it's going to be as good a neutral site crowd that Carolina will play in all season long. 
And guard play is going to determine the outcome as much as anything. And we know that Baycott versus Klingon is going to be important, but this game has the feel and the make of whichever team's backcourt plays the best is going to probably emerge victorious. And, you know, with a guy like R.J. Davis that has scored 27 points in, or more in three straight games, has led the team in scoring in four straight games, you got to feel confident that he'll be up to the challenge against another great guard um, to, to, to really go toe-to-toe with him. So um, we should be in for a fun one watching Carolina battle with Tristan Newton. We've heard a lot about the challenges that UConn presents for Carolina, but Carolina's a good team in their own right. You don't get ranked in the top 10 by accident, and Hubert Davis talked about the challenges that his team will pose for UConn. No, I think we're really good in transition. You know, that that stems from us um, being able to rebound. I think we average a little under 40 rebounds a game, and they're averaging 42 rebounds a game. So that's going to be a huge part. And tomorrow, who, who's able to control the boards? When we're able to control the boards, it gets us out in transition. And when our pace is where I, where I think it should be, um, I think from an offensive standpoint, we're pretty good. We share the ball. we always good to great. We're unselfish. Um, and another thing that we're doing really well is we're getting to the free throw line. So we're attacking the basket through post penetration, offensive rebound, and it's allowing us to get to the free throw line and making free throws. And so um, my hope is that we can do that very well tomorrow night. I think you hit it right on the head. You know, I think Carolina's pace their ability to score in transition. They've scored 36 fast-break points in their last two games. Um, is something that UConn's going to be prepared for, but you know they haven't seen a team that wants to run the way Carolina wants to run. Not even Kansas, a team that likes to push the ball, especially after misses, but this is a different animal. Um, I also think Carolina's rebounding prowess, it's going to be put to the test. Um, you know They rebounded the ball at a really high rate, but this will be the best rebounding team that Carolina has played all season long. And, look, I know that I've, I've talked really highly of UConn. Um, I think they're the best team I've seen so far in the first month of the season. But make no mistake, Carolina's pretty doggone good, too. Um, and they're going to challenge this UConn team in ways that no other team that UConn has played so far will play the rest of the season has challenged them. And so that's why... I think there's a different level of excitement. Um, I know for me personally, like I was talking about it going into it, you're talking about a, a, a non-conference game at 9 o'clock against a top five opponent. Um, this is big time. Um, and Carolina, I think as much so as, as any big non-conference game so far under Huber Davis, you have to feel confident about their chances not only to compete in this game, but to come out the winner. Um, and one of the things that'll be fun about this game, no matter the result, is the environment, is the arena. Carolina back in the garden uh, for the second straight year. Of course, they beat Ohio State last year in an overtime thriller in the CBS Sports Classic, and Hubert Davis talked about the importance of his program playing at the world's most famous arena for a second consecutive season. It's, you know, it, it means a lot to me, and I think it means a lot to them as well and to all of our players, even if you don't come from the New York area. You know, you're right. You know, Coach Smith every year brought us, and we either played at Madison Square Garden or the Meadowlands. We always had two or three New York players on the team, and then with my history playing for the Knicks, it's just 
I want our guys to have that experience of playing in Madison Square Garden. It just has such a rich history in basketball, but other sports and concerts there. And so um, till this day, if you ask RJ and Armando and Seth and Jay Wash, what's the best environment, the best game that they've ever played in, automatically they will say the game against Ohio State last year. And it's just the garden brings out something that just is not at any other place. And to be able to go there again and play against UConn tomorrow night is going to be a special night. If you're a basketball junkie, how, how do you not love this? Two premier programs from two historic proud conferences playing at the Mecca of basketball. Um, I'm lucky enough as a Nick fan to, to, you know, watch big games in this arena 41 times in the regular season. Um, and since Tom Thibodeau's returned and taken the Knicks to the playoffs, there isn't a better atmosphere in the NBA than postseason basketball at MSG. Um, this isn't professional. This isn't a postseason game, but make no mistake, this will be a great crowd, a great environment um, tomorrow night. And yes, UConn will show up and they will show out. But if you remember when Carolina was up there a year ago, there's a lot of old-time Carolina basketball fans in the northern part of the country that will make the trip and um, will, will be there to represent their team in a loud fashion. And so, um, you know, as a kid that grew up seeing Carolina play in the Garden that felt like virtually every year, but then they went away from that. This is cool, and this is awesome. And, you know, I think Carolina is the premier brand in college basketball, and seeing that brand on the floor at MSG, no matter the, you know, the, the stage, whether it's a CBS Sports Classic, Jimmy V Classic, whatever, um, there's just something special about that, and everyone should enjoy uh, this environment we're going to be a part of tomorrow night. Now let's transition just to – just some general thoughts and takeaways that the head coach uh, talked about earlier today when he met with the local media ahead of the game against the Huskies. And he was asked about the pace of play, and he feels like Carolina can improve in that area. I think he can grow even more in terms of pace. You know, one of the things I mention to the team all the time is I want to be the fastest team from free throw line to free throw line. Um, obviously, in our primary break, we're you know looking for a layup or a dunk or a deep post catch or let's get fouled, get to the free throw line or a quick open three by our best three-point shooters. If we don't have that, then let's just flow right into our offense. And once we get into our offense, I want to run that with purpose and pace. And so... Um, just for example, it was very difficult a little bit on um, Saturdays because, you know, one of the things that Florida State does that a lot of teams don't do is they pick up and deny even your outlet passes. So, you know, that could stop a break. And so that was something different that we had to adjust to. But I do, I want to I wanna go. I want to be fast. And even after made baskets, I want to get the ball out quick and I want to get it into early offense as quickly as we can. You know, kind of like Coach Smith, Kind of like Roy Williams, Coach Davis isn't uh, a big analytical guy. Uh, most, you know, at, at, at his core, probably just a points per 100 possessions type of uh, guy. And if you look at that number, Carolina, according to Ken Palm, was, is top five in the country. Um, and they've really excelled on that. But the fact that he thinks they can get better and play faster is music to my ears. If you're a long-time listener or this is your first time checking us out here on the Four Corners Podcast, I'm your host here, 
loves to see Carolina basketball run and likes to see them run off of makes and run off of misses and run as much in between then. Um, and I think this team is built to run and seeing the secondary break come back to the fold has been a lot of fun for me individually as a fan. I don't think it's a coincidence that that has returned and Carolina has looked the way they've looked on the offensive end of the, of the floor, scoring over 86 points per game. Uh, but the fact that he is not satisfied should be a good sign and a good thing because there is room to grow. Carolina can run more. Um, in my opinion, they can never run enough. You know, they, they, they could push the ball as much as possible, and I would still say they could have done it better, more efficiently, more effectively. And so it should be fun and exciting to see, especially as Elliot Cadeau gets more and more comfortable, just the, the, the gear that this team um, can continue to hit because I don't think they've played the fastest that they have played so far this season. A big reason why Carolina is off to the fast start has been the play of Harrison Ingram, um, who has exceeded every expectation upon transferring in. And Hubert Davis was asked if Harrison Ingram is playing the role they expected him to play when he transferred in from Stanford. Yes. I mean, he's... You know, one of the things, I mean, not one of the things, but, you know, I'm so thankful that he's here, you know, as it, you know, from an offensive standpoint, because of his size, he can play multiple positions and his versatility of being able to score in a post and pass and shoot the ball from the outside and handle a basketball, that's, that's a huge benefit for us offensively and on the defensive end, his versatility defensively being able to guard many um, positions. And so... Um, you know, his leadership and, you know, you mentioned Harrison and just how vocal he is. I, I, his emotions are coming out because I think he's just so happy to be here. You know, he's just so excited to be on this stage and having an opportunity to perform on this stage that it's just a natural emotion of it coming out. And so I love it and I'm glad that he's here. You know, I got to be honest with you guys. And, you know, it's unfortunate I don't get to sit on press conferences. It's something that I, 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 would, I would love to be able to do. Um, this, to me, was a weird question because, you know, if you follow the program closely, um, you would know that Huber Davis took his entire coaching staff to Dallas, Texas during Ingram's transfer portal recruitment to, sit, you know, to, to seal the deal and make sure he ended up in Carolina or not at Kansas or another – premier program if you go back to the summer when hubert davis held a one-off press conference he talked very glowingly about harrison ingram if you go back to acc tip-off whether it was the audio i played for you guys right here or if you went and listened to his interviews that he did during that i mean he didn't have enough words to say about harrison ingram he's the x factor he's the guy that is able to allow Carolina to play the way that they play on offense, and he competes defensively. His passing in the half court does things for this offense that not even Elliott Cadeau can do from a passing standpoint. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I think so far it's fair to say he has matched and exceeded every expectation I think the, 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 the coaching staff had for him and I think the fan base has had for him. Um, and I think the best part about it is is – that he's only going to, to continue to get better. And he's going to get more comfortable. He's going to be a better offensive player. He's going to be a better defensive player. 
Um, his leadership and his intensity is um, very much value to this team as well. And so, um, you know, Harrison Ingram at the time of his recruitment was believed to be a big part of this team. And through the first eight games, he's definitely lived up to everything that Carolina wanted and expected him to be upon transferring in. A few more quotes from Hubert Davis before we do get out of this edition of the podcast. Uh, we'll now transition to a lot of R.J. Davis talk here. And, uh, you know, Hubert Davis was asked about how he thinks R.J. Davis has fit alongside Elliot Cadeau at the two-guard spot since the five-star reclassified freshman entered the starting lineup. I mean, one of the unique things about R.J., and there's very few players in the country that have the ability to do what R.J. can do. He's a gifted playmaker and scorer with the ball in his hands, and he can also do it without the ball in his hands. So, like, he's he can create and make shots with the ball, but he can also use and come off screens. He's does a terrific job of moving without the basketball. He's a complete basketball player. You know, in regards to, you know, having Elliot and RJ and Seth in in the game at the same time, and, and I've always said that I love and I want as many and, you know, playmakers out there on the floor as possible. And for the most part, against Florida State, we had all three of them in a lot in the second half, but I like to have at least two point guards on the floor at all time. I just, as many guys that can create shots on the offensive end as you can, that, that's what I love and that's what I like to like to coach. You know, we, I, think, I think we we made it known early in the, in the off season uh, and early this season, um, we weren't going to take shots and bash Caleb Love now that he's gone. Um, he's doing a, a lot of great things for Arizona, um, and it's been a lot of fun to watch him thriving out there in Tucson. But this was always the expectation that these two would fit better together. Um, as as much as Caleb Love may have become toxic off the court, he'd also become toxic on the court. And him and R.J. Davis, outside of the six-week run, Back in you know the the in two years ago in the run in the national championship, these guys didn't mix. These guys didn't blend for whatever reason. And you can maybe blame their first year being played through a, a pandemic, and they just never built that bond and that chemistry on and off the court. We'll never know. But it just didn't work. And Huber Davis wanted R.J. Davis around more than uh, he wanted Caleb Love around. That's why. Caleb Love is no longer here. R.J. Davis is. And Elliot Cadeau was the natural fit alongside him in the backcourt. Uh, it doesn't look the same. The production isn't the same. It gives you some vibes of Joel Berry, Marcus Page, back during that 2015-16 season when Carolina played with two lead guards um, on their way to an ACC regular season title, an ACC tournament title, a spot in the Final Four, and a loss in the National Championship game. And and so it's been a lot of fun watching those two guys mold and play together. But it didn't stop there with R.J. Davis and, and, and in a lot of ways Elliot Cadeau because he was asked about the shot selection that the lead guard has taken in the early part of the season for Carolina. I don't think of it in terms of like comparing to last year. I don't think about last year at all, but I think – the shots that he is getting this year are good shots. I do. I, I think he's. I think he's getting quality shots, good looks at the basket, 
And um, one, I think it's because of RJ. Two, I think it's, you know, you know, one of the things that we've emphasized this year is, you know, doing a better job of setting screens and how important it is to get your teammate open. We even keep a stat now called screen assists. Not just assists, but how many how many screen assists can you get? You know, and so our guys have really caught on to that. And then, you know, just how we're sharing the basketball. But I, I agree with you. I think, you know, the field goal attempts that RJ is getting, they're good looks every time. And I always believe if good shooters get good looks, most of the time they're going to make them. You know, this could be recency bias here, um, or this could be favoritism because, you know, you guys know, Big R.J. Davis guy. Uh, you know, I love every player on the team. I support every player on the team. Everybody has a favorite, and R.J. is certainly mine. Um, there hasn't been a better tough shot maker I've seen since Marcus Page. Joel Berry was good at, at taking tough shots and making them. Cole Anthony was good at it. But R.J. Davis does it at an even higher and a more impressive rate. Just go back to his dagger three against Florida State the other night. It was deep, it was contested, and yet he made it. With that said, he doesn't always need to settle for tough shots. And I, I think even though his shooting numbers aren't where you want him to be, he's shooting 44% from the field, 35% from three, the shot selection's better. Which with that, as the season moves forward, the efficiency is going to increase and the percentages are going to increase and it's only going to make him more dangerous as a scorer. And it goes back to the fit of him playing with Elliot Cadeau. It fits better with R.J. Davis or the, it fits better than it did with Caleb Love. And it's not a coincidence that with Elliot Cadeau, he's taking and making better shots more consistently. The last thing we're going to talk about is still about R.J. Davis. And the leadership he has brought to this version of the team, and Hubert Davis talked about that earlier today. You know, I, I hesitate to, this is my team, this is his team, this, we're, this is their team. We're, we're all in this together, and everyone has to bring all their individual gifts and talents together to see what we can do to be become the best team that we can possibly be. In terms of RJ, this year, where his growth has, has come has been in – how comfortable he is in terms of leading. I've never seen him as vocal as um, uh, in terms of um, talking to guys and getting everybody on the same page on and off the court during practice. If things aren't going well, whether in a game or practice, he's talking in huddles. I mean, it's just his communication and his comfort level and confidence in being able to have a voice within his own personality has been a major difference. And so I, I just, I love it. I'm glad that he feels comfortable and confident enough to be able to do that this year. You know, we, we've talked a lot about how, you know, RJ and, and Armando aren't the vocal leaders that maybe we've needed them to be at different times. Um, we have seen an influx of leadership from Cormac Ryan and Harrison Ingram. RJ's always been a quiet guy that led by example. Um, that played with a fire and emotion that, you know, was contagious. But I think you're starting to see more vocal from him on the court, barking at his teammates, whether they've done something wrong or even when they do something right. He's the first guy there to high-five them. He's the first guy there to, you know, congratulate them. And 
You know, the point guard is the extension of your head coach. And Elliot Cadeau might be the point guard, but R.J. Davis is the lead guard, and he's the heartbeat of this team. Um, and Hubert Davis said that at different times last year, and that when he played at a high level, this team was at its absolute best, and that's absolutely true. Um, and with him being my favorite player, and, and there's something about, you know, because, yes, we, we, we talk about in sports winning and losing. They're the two most important things. But to watch a guy develop into something that he originally isn't is also neat, and it's also cool. And R.J. Davis didn't show up vocal. Didn't show up a leader that was going to demand everybody to follow his example. But that's what he is today. Um, and that just speaks volumes to the type of kid he is, the type of character that he has. Um, it's why he's going places in life on and off the basketball court. Um, and I think it's a big reason why I'm confident about this team. Because I, I, I know when he steps out on the court for 40 minutes, nothing else matters to him than winning and representing the University of North Carolina in a positive manner. Um, and watching him grow and develop as a leader has been beautiful to watch. Um, and you got to credit the coaching staff for challenging him as well to step out of his comfort zone. And I think that as long as he's on the roster, Carolina basketball is in good hands and we should feel optimistic about where this team is headed this season. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up uh, this edition of the podcast. Um, a different kind of podcast, but like I said in the open, want to try to start doing more of these um, because it's another way for us to, to break down the game and also just talk about you know where the head coach's uh, thoughts are about his team at that particular time. But in the meantime, we do encourage you guys to visit the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com where, of course, there'll be a preview of the game, recap of the game um, as I continue to take you through the basketball season. After the game, Carolina's got an 11-day off period. So a good chance to get some opinion articles out there as well. Um, so make sure you're checking in for the basketball content as well as the football content. A lot of news yesterday um, with, with more guys entering the portal. Carolina landing or finding out its bowl destination. All that and so much more. Anthony's working around the clock to make sure you're up to date on the latest with Tar Heel football. So make sure you're staying locked in. That's HeelToughBlog.com for the latest Carolina basketball and Tar Heel football coverage. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, Go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!